neighbor as yourself. On these hang all the law and the prophets. So the Pharisees come at Jesus with a question about which commandment is the greatest. They are trying to trap Jesus. It's actually a lawyer that asks this nitpicky question. It's interesting to note that at the beginning of Jesus's ministry, he had three temptations put to him by the devil, and not a few, or now a few days before his execution, he has three tests offered, three temptations of sorts offered by the religious authorities. So this, this lawyer knows that there are six, 613 commandments in the Old Testament. Commandments about lying and murdering, commandments about what to eat, commandments about how to treat your ox and your goat, commandments about how to treat your parents. But every Jew would have known from the time he or she sat on her mother's knee that the key was the Shema. Israel, the Lord your God is one, and you shall love God with every fiber of your being. These Pharisees come at Jesus with grad school questions. And Jesus, probably with a grin on his face, says, remember what you learned in Sunday school? These, so it reminds me of the story of Karl Barth, perhaps the greatest theologian of the 20th century. Barth's magnum opus was called The Church Dogmatics, 14 volumes, 17,000 pages, millions of words. He was asked towards the end of his life what his greatest theological discovery was. I think the questioner asked or expected him to trot out maybe his understanding of the Trinity or the hypostatic nature of Christ. Use a big word like eschatology. Bart looked at his questioner and said, my greatest discovery? Jesus loves me, this I know, for the Bible tells me so. Remember what you learned in Sunday school. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, mind, soul, and strength. That's the center of the Jewish faith. Remember what Deuteronomy said. And these words which I command you this day shall be upon your heart. And you shall teach them diligently to your children and shall talk of them when you enter your house and when you walk by the way and when you rise. This is the heart of religion because it's the heart of reality. God is the center and source, not our wishes or wants or projects. Despite what one megachurch pastor's wife recently said, when she said that worship is really all meant for us and our betterment, what Bible are you reading? Love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength. But if we are to think that this is supposed to be easy, though it's a rather simple point, we have to think again. Because Jesus is full of love, but Jesus is not always full of comfort. If it feels too comfortable, we need to double check and make sure it's Jesus talking. He combines the Jewish Shema with another commandment from that very enjoyable and very entertaining book of the Bible known as Leviticus. It's a joke. (laughs) Leviticus was like a priest handbook on how to be holy and right in the middle of the book there's a commandment that says love your neighbor as yourself. 
A neighbor in the book of Leviticus is taken to mean widow, orphan, outsider, and fellow Israelite. Love your God and love your neighbor as yourself. For Jesus, our love of God, our love for the one we cannot see, is totally bound up with the neighbor, the one we can see. It's a distinction this passage opens up between something that's been referred to as an absolute Christian and an almost Christian. John Wesley had preached a sermon in 1741 on, the, on this passage, and he called it the almost Christian. In that sermon, he says that the almost Christian is sincere and does nothing which the gospel forbids. But the absolute Christian fuses the love of God, the love of neighbor, and faith that works by love. The absolute Christian pulls it all together such that love of God and love of neighbor converge into one love. Never mind almost Christians. And when you think about it, it makes pretty good sense. We wouldn't want to be, we wouldn't want to be or to go to an almost financial planner or an almost heart surgeon. Some have placed other laws or rules in the place of love that'd rather be right than filled with righteous love, right belief, right prayer book, right color of the carpet in the sanctuary, or whether we should even have carpet, right role for children in church, all the while we may be missing the boat on love. We've all heard the quip, would you rather be right or would you rather be happy? To which I usually reply that I thought they were the same thing, but this morning's gospel is a variation on that question. Would you rather be right in your politics, in your religion, or would you rather love? Because in the end, being right doesn't serve the poor. It doesn't heal the wounded or hold the broken. It doesn't change the world, and it certainly doesn't change us. Love does, though. And to love totally and utterly and completely, that's what it means to be a saint. And it sounds so hard, but there it is, the great commandment. It really says nothing less than you shall become a saint, an absolute Christian. But I won't end this sermon with a command to love. Because in the end, Christianity is not a command, but a promise. A friend of mine, who's actually here this morning, recently pointed out something about the little word, shall. You shall love the Lord your God and you shall love your neighbor as yourself. She reminded us that shall doesn't leave the future up for grabs. Shall states something that will be true. And that leads me to wonder, what changes if we read this great commandment as a great promise? Because in the end, that's what it is. It's a promise that these wearied feet of faith and these fragile wings of hope that move each of us along will in the end come to love God in the last, the way he has loved us from the beginning. Loved us even 
in the midst of our weary attempts at love. He's loved us there, especially there. And you shall see in your neighbor the place of mercy and mystery and enjoy their company just as Jesus always has. That is the promise, the great promise that Jesus writes on our hearts this morning and asks us not just to trust, but to live into, to step into this promise absolutely, to make it credible for the world. And you shall be made whole, and the world shall be healed. Amen.